episode 292, Nick Snap, The Productivity Show. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, live limitless. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one men's development podcast, inspirational stories and strategies to thrive as a man. As a coach, keynote speaker, and best-selling author, it has been my mission going on four years on the podcast to bring you the best, the very best, the struggles, the action, and to share the real journey with you, what it takes to thrive as a man. Together we are stronger. Please subscribe to support the show through ayalpha.com and join the conversation in the Facebook group, Awaken Your Alpha with ALW. Get involved and I'll see you in the inside. Get to the podcast. All right, we've got a productive one for you. This week is all about productivity. I've got Nick Snap. He hosts a productivity show. I ran into him about a year ago at a PodFest. He was speaking there about productivity. It's been about a year since we last spoke, so I'm really keen to get him on here today. Firstly, Nick, are you ready to awaken your alpha? Yeah, I am. I'm ready to awaken it, baby. Let's go. You just got off a four-hour live stream, which, blimey, we're not going to keep you as long as that, but... Is there anything you'd like to add to that very brief bio? What are you all about at the moment? What gets you up in the morning? What are you, you know, what gets you fired up? Man, I tell you, what gets me fired up is something I've learned. You know, productivity overall, like the most productive thing you can do is test and iterate and validate without wasting a lot of time and money developing something that nobody really cares about. So that's when it comes to productivity, that's something I've learned over the last year. And uh, for me, I've really dialed in and done that for this on- the whole online course course um i don't know culture that we have going on yeah. you know what what does it take and even niching down from productivity man it's accountability i'm really passionate about accountability and helping people finish what they start so that's the big thing but i love the accountability i mean that's what i'm yeah. big into the accountability i think that's huge because like you said there's so many courses out there and there's so many so much information and so many things people can do i've found in anything i do and working with people as well that first 80, 90%, that's what the majority do, but it's that last bit getting like that accountability right. over the finish line. I'm, I'm resonating with you on this because uh, I'm about 90, 95% on the book I'm writing and it's absolutely killing me and it's so tempting to just leave it, but I won't. Yeah, I know. The human nature thing, it's crazy. And I, I recently read... Um, Finish actually by John Acuff. <laughs> Have you read that one yet? No, um, I haven't. <laughs> man, it is. Uh, it's really resonated with me. And even before, it's all. It's all really about uh, completion and finishing what you start. But the one thing he said that stuck with me is he talks about the day after perfect. You know, you have this winning streak. You're ninety percent there. Maybe you even didn't, didn't miss a day. Maybe you had a ninety day project to go write a book or something like that, and you wrote every single day uh, for eighty eight days. And for whatever reason, you fall off. But even so, the, the evidence shows actually not even the 90%. If you're to 90%, you're actually doing really, really well. Yeah. But most people fall off after like day day two or day three, like super, super early. So the, the whole thing about the day after perfect is that uh, you've got this streak. Even if your day is only your streak is only two days long, then what do you do? How do you react to that mm-hmm. day that you fall off? That's the difference maker right there. And the people that get back on target and go – those are the ones that are going to make the biggest difference. But the people that get hung up on, ah, it's not perfect, that perfectionism syndrome, those oh. are the ones that are going to stamp, stammer and not make any uh, significant results. It's an absolute killer. And I think as well, with delays, like you said, and, and losing momentum like that, I think people, yeah. you become a different person as well if you leave it too long. So then you, it's almost like a justification or an excuse that, oh, I've, I better go back and rework it and just redo it and get right. to a similar sort of point. Maybe you move a step or two forwards and then you repeat the cycle. You fall yes. off, have a break, then you come back. Oh, I better look at it all again, redo it, check it. 
because everything's always evolving. It's absolute killer. <laughs> it, it is fascinating to, di to dive into that stuff and figure out why that's going on. You know, why do we figure like, why, why do we need, why do we uh, just feel compelled to, um, to give up after we put all this work into something and it just, it just stop. I've done it myself. I've done it far too many times to count. So if you really kind of do that, that reflection, you can, you can start making some change that, that maybe will get you off to a better path next time. What do you, what do you find is uh, effective or some strategies or tactics used? Cause sure. like you said that, and I, I, I think what I found that I, that I struggle with sometimes is more that, you know, like a lot of entrepreneurs, you want to do so much. And I, I like to focus on one thing at a time. And if you don't complete, if you set yourself standards, you don't complete something in the timeline you thought you kind of think mentally you should be onto the next thing. And it's kind of, as opposed yeah. to let's get this done. It's kind of, you, sometimes it feels like it's holding you back and that's where, the struggle comes in for me, but what, what do you think are some tactics and strategies? Sure. Yeah. When it, when it comes to that sort of thing, I, I, I've been diving deep into this yeah. because I just a story, I guess I have a bunch of stories around accountability just from <laughs> my own personal experiences. Um, but like when I really need to get something done that I've been procrastinating on, or I just don't want to do this friction there. Um, I've developed something that's, that I'm really, really super, it works perfectly for me. So for example, I want to get more diligent about planning my content in advance. That was something I wanted to do. So I said, okay, how can I, how can I make it such that I'll actually follow through with this? And, um, there's, there's three, my favorite things, and I'll go into each one of these things if you want, my three favorite things about accountability. I try to make them consistent. So it's a little bit, I don't know, catchy, but make it public, right? Yep. Make it public. the first one, make it double and, uh, and make it hurt. So those, those are kind of my, my three mantras that I, I came up with. And so from a public kind of slash perspective, um, I wanted to plan my content consistently. And I wasn't doing it. I was slacking off. I was uh, last minute. I boot up my computer and I try to generate some sort of post in my head that I thought would be valuable. It's kind of forcing it. It just didn't, it, it, was, it was garbage. It wasn't garbage. I'm a pretty good content creator, but I, yeah. it was just something that I know I needed to do. I need to put more advanced thought in this sort of thing. I need to flow together. How do you yeah. do that? Well, you do it by planning in advance, right? So I was like, okay, I, I got a group. I got a Facebook group and uh, it's, it's, it's rooted around accountability. And one of the best ways I found to make hold myself accountable is to not only tell people publicly I'll do it because you know that sometimes work but half the time people don't care mm -hmm. uh, but to actually facilitate that task and I've done this probably 10 10 or 12 times on different things that I couldn't get done so I'll get on a zoom call just like this one mm -hmm. I'll say all right for the next hour we're going to plan our content for next week um, here's the way that I do it I can give a little framework of how I'm doing it do you have any tips or anything like that group that how you're going to, what you're going to do for this next minute. And we'll start, we'll start the timer. Uh, and then we'll report back after 45 minutes. So we kind of kick it off, do the work and report back and, and see how it went for me personally. Um, and for everybody in that group, but for me, especially the fact that I got to show up now and mm -hmm. do that work, I know I'm gonna do it. There's no way that I'll ever not get that task done. And for everybody that commits to going to that meeting that's been on that Zoom and now we start that timer and they're working, like they're gonna come back and they know that we're gonna see how everything went. So that's one thing about just like making it public. The making it hurt part about that, I wanna dive deeper in this because I have yeah. a bunch of different things, but it would be pretty painful from the perspective that it would be kind of embarrassing if I just blew that off continuously every week. They'd be like, yeah, yeah well, this, this Nick Snap, he's the accountability guy. Like how, how can he be an example for me anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else to find my accountability. So that's the make it hurt part. For yeah. Me. You put a lot of meaning behind it. Like it's, it's crucial. It means a lot. And like you say, it's all about yeah. you. Something you identify with. Definitely. And making it public for me is just, I always make public declarations about things that I'm going to do. For example, my four hour live stream that I went on, uh, the original vision for that was not to do a four hour live stream was to do a film, you yeah. know? So 
immediately, even after the very first live stream that I've done, I think we've done four now, is, hey, one day this is going to be a film. This year, this is going to be a film. Here's my director calling him out. Um, I mean, you know, Neil Galarte. We're going to be oh, making yeah, this yeah, film yeah. together. Yeah, we actually planned it at Podfest last week. We started um, planning it out. He's like, "This is what I need from you by the end of the by the end of the month." So yeah, that makes it real. That makes it public. And someday, knowing that people, like a couple thousand people, have been watching this this live stream that I've been doing, like one day someone's going to ask me about that movie because I mentioned it every single time, yeah. and I'm going to be like, "Dude, I got to have an answer." <laughs> so so that's that's kind of my my thing about making it public. Making it double, this is, this is about the idea of having an accountability partner. Now, that is kind of cliche, right? I mean, everybody's got an accountability partner for every single online course or, you know, program that we're going to do or uh, sporting events. The problem I've found with accountability partners, I can think about a sale. I did a sales course, and I spent $4,000 on this course, and, and it was fine. But, like, randomly, I was randomly paired with these two other people um, mm -hmm. from an accountability perspective. And, and it did nothing for me. It did absolutely nothing for me. I was trying to think like, why did, the, why did this not work? It's because these people became my friends, not my accountability partners. So when it comes to accountability partners, if, yeah. you're gonna, if you're gonna have an accountability partner, you need to make sure that person is committed to holding your feet to the fire, not putting up with your BS excuses. That's really what it comes yeah. down to. Because I, am, I, can, I can make excuses to the cows come home, why I didn't get anything done and why I didn't see any lasting change. Um, and if I have somebody that's gonna believe me, that's not going to call me out, then it's, it's a dysfunctional relationship. I think back to my corporate time um, is that like, Adam, it's like when I was in corporate, I was really easy to talk to myself out of situation. Now I'm kind of selling like the different projects and things I need to do. Everybody told me, and I'm not just saying this, everybody was telling me how great I was and how much an asset I was to the company. And there was one day that I, I met with a guy, he was like a maintenance supervisor. I used to be in, um, capital project management, I used to manage construction projects. Um, and he, he's like, no, I, I don't agree with what you're doing with this. And I think I, I would have appreciated it if you would have got back to me sooner on this. And he started calling me out on these things that I was not doing correctly. And I was like, that's the guy. I didn't think of it at the time, but when I think yeah. back to, a, to an accountability partner, somebody that's not willing to put up with my, my, my stuff, it's like, that's the guy that I want. You know, so I, I need those kind of people that are going to be willing to tell me when I'm messing up and ask me why I'm messing up. You know, from accountability, it's like you, you just, the whole concept is you are now responsible uh, for the actions that you take. Like being accountable is being responsible for the actions that you take. And, um, and not only um, being uh, responsible, but be, being answerable. Uh, that's, that's my thoughts about accountability partners. I don't know, have you had any similar experience? Yeah, you said there about the the sort of the transition and where it can go fall off and why you know not all accountability parties are created created equal. It's that, right. that like you said the friend zone almost, um, right. which is again if you're a nice guy that can be you know you've got to be very you know disciplined and stick to the focus of what is the point of this relationship or setup or maybe a meeting and that's why the the power of coaches and accountability it's just huge because yeah you can get a friend to do it but like you said they're already in the friend zone. Or even if they some might be someone who starts off as an accountability partner, um, they may you know they may not be up to the task. They may just be doing it because you've asked them, or to be yeah. a friend, or just to to help out and think, oh, you know, yeah. I will I will do my best. But um, I think that's a really good thing that no one's really touched on so much. It's always just been, oh, you need an accountability partner, um, and I yeah. think that's huge. And that's one of the reasons. I mean, I agree with the accountability side of things, but one of the reasons when a lot of people always have said to me about, I mean, I generally slightly different example i gen i train alone generally at the gym 
because right. of that fact. I don't, it sounds like I don't want to get dragged down to a certain extent. <laughs> I have my, you know, I, I don't know if I could find someone as consistent without, without blowing my own yeah, trumpet. And so I don't want, you know, to be waiting for someone or, you know, it to be altering that. And I'm just like, for that, I mean, for different aspects of life, you, you need it. But for something like yeah. that, I've just, you know, I just crack on. But, you know, because I know I would end up being the accountability partner for that person as opposed to the other way around. I'd and, be Adam, and it'd be a waste of your time, wouldn't it, Adam? Yeah. Complete waste exactly. of time. That's the thing is like, yeah, you, 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 somebody asked you to be their accountability partner or you're being set up by your coach or some program leader or whatever with these accountability teams. Like, it, it, you've really got to do your due diligence up front to make it a valuable relationship. And so I, I definitely encourage people to really ask this question up front. Set the um the expectations may not even set the expectations i can't believe i've said that i'm actually against expectations i'm about agreements right like yeah. i think expectations are unhealthy the difference between agreements and expectations like you can be with your um your wife and she can expect the dinner's ready on time but i could not even have that in my mind and yeah. say, well why shouldn't he know yeah, yeah you should know they're basically like assumptions <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah. assumptions are killers they're relationship yeah. killers but if you make agreements up front like this is the way we're gonna this is the ground rules the way we're gonna conduct business the, you know just so setting those boundaries up front is critical and for accountability relationship is the most important thing you can do you touched on there in your in your previous life almost just briefly give us a little bit about your origins because i think it's, it's quite oh, interesting sure. you know what I think you did well. You you tell me about masters in mechanical engineering mm -hmm. and some of the projects you ended up working at, and sure. what got you to kind of well, I suppose what was the awakening moment linked into that of when you transitioned because it's very different to what. No, I love I love to be able to tell, it. and I can probably pepper in a story where I where I experienced the make it hurt facet of this whole thing. So yeah, so I managed. Uh, I was an engineer by degree, mechanical engineer. Never really felt like an engineer as a kid. I used to like make films. I used to go around the neighborhood with a movie camera and film stuff. I wrote a movie script. I used to write a. I wrote books when I was a kid, like a very creative kid, and I was artistic. And somehow that led me to like drafting, like you know, drafting, like drawing, um, you know, technical things. Like, okay. Um, yeah. You know, like blueprints type stuff. Yeah. Uh, in high school, I took a drafting class. I'm like, oh, that's kind of artistic. And then that led me to engineering. So it was a very weird transition. <laughs> uh, I never really felt like a like an engineer, um, but I I was. I found myself in this this world, and I did it for money. To be honest, like I, I was like, yeah. Out of, out of college, I, I didn't know any entrepreneurs. My dad was yeah. in sales. My mom was stay at home. So like, I just wasn't influenced by anybody that thought differently. Kind of pushed down all that creative, creative stuff that I did. Even as a kid though, Adam, man, I had a lawn business. Like I actually sold my lawn business before um, I went to college. I actually sold it. I had 30, 30 clients, 30 customers as, as a high school kid. That was making more money than any other kid I could ever, ever manage. Nice, but but I, I, what sounds, I mean, just, I, I don't know the situation, but it sounds very entrepreneurial is the fact that like you say, you created a business that was sellable as in like most yeah. kids would just, you know, they might be about 30 clients and then just, Oh, I've got to go and just leave it. But you actually yeah. sold that. Yeah. I sold my list and I sold my equipment. I didn't get a lot for it, but I, know, I got but no, 2,500 to $3,000. Yeah. I got it's the I mindset. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> so I had that. And then I'm just like, I just pushed it all down. Right. I went and yeah. did my engineering degree. I went to college for 20 years, not 20, maybe 17 years. I did that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I kind of had this like entrepreneurial seizure moment that they talked about, like in the E-Myth Revisited, um, Michael Gerber talks about having your entrepreneurial seizure. I remember it was 2000, it was March, right near my birthday of 2011. And I'm like, I, I got, I got moved to this facility that was uh, over an hour and a half away on a good day. Yep. Um, so I'm now I went from like working 
I don't know, a long day, a nine, 10 hour day, and now like a 12 hour day, not by my yeah. choice. You didn't want to do it with the, you know, everything considered. I mean, I'd be leaving the house at the five o'clock hour. I wouldn't get home till seven. It sucked. I hated it. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, it, I was like, you guys are forcing this company, you company are forcing me to do this. I don't want to do it. So I need to become a machine. So I, I really learned how to be productive. I wasn't really productive before. I mean, I was always a good worker and stuff. Like yeah. I really, I knew I, I was there to do a job. I wasn't talking to anybody. I learned how to focus like out of necessity because I wanted to come home and see my newborn son. Like he was only yeah. like a year old. I don't want to miss out on that. I hated those nights. I'd come home and I wouldn't even see him. Yeah. So I really learned to be productive. And you know, long story short, a uh, whole chain of events we can go to my story of like how I actually came to, to leave my job. Um, but I was, I had this very strong desire and you could probably um, relate to this since you're in the States now from the UK, like to, to move my family internationally, huge strong desire. It happened. Like I had so many different opportunities and, and my company would dare dangle like this, like international carrot in front of my yeah. face. Like, yeah, stay long. We're, no, we're going to get you to Brazil. We're going to get you to Spain. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Never happened. Mm. Um, so I, the last straw was when I actually went on my own and almost got a job in Uruguay in South, South, South America. Yeah. That didn't come through. And that was my, my deciding point. And six months later, I left my job and the closest fit to my, um, my pro, my project management experience. Cause I managed capital projects. I used to manage like, I think my biggest one was like a hundred million dollars. And there are times where I have like a hundred contractors working for me. So the closest online fit, well, let me take another step back. I had enough, I had enough people in my network that said, Hey, I'd be willing to work with you as an independent first project was out in Los Angeles mm -hmm. from Tampa, Florida on the other side of the country. And, um, I did a six week study, um, to help a credit card manufacturing company get their numbers up. And the study was great. Everything was fine, but I looked the things that I were doing, I'm like, this is my life. Like, this is what I, I, I haven't seen my family for like six weeks. I, I had a, maybe a two day break in the, in the middle to come back and see them. Like, this isn't what I wanted. Mm. And so I, I had this idea even before that, um, like a lot of employees, I, I read the four hour work week and I got kind of inspired by this idea of, of starting an online business. I was like, you know, I need to take this a little bit more serious. You know, I've, I've been side hustling for a little while. Couldn't really figure out, didn't know anything just in my corner, just plugging away. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, I really need to take this serious. So the first thing that I found was a coach who encouraged me to get into productivity coaching. And I did, I did okay. It was like a good supplement, you know, like low four figure income along the way. Um, but there was a lot of mindset stuff there from the perspective that I, I know what I can, the things I'm telling you will, will get you out of the situation. will help you get more time. I can teach you this, but I don't want to convince you. You've got to do it. Like this is, yeah. you know, I, I, I'll show you what to do. I want to help you, but I don't want to convince you. The mindset stuff just wrecked me. I'm an engineer, man. Like I, yeah, I'm a creative guy, but I know how to execute. I've been trained in process. It must have been really frustrating to you. Like you say, you get in the yeah. systems in your mind, you've got the systems, give them the systems. But like, like you said, the motivation thing, the whole mindset yeah. thing, it's a, it's a different kettle. Yeah. 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 It was, it was tough, man. So it came to a point in October, 2016, where I was, um, I was kind of at this low point looking like bank accounts are mm, mm. not really working out. So I was like, what, where's the value here? Like, what am I bringing to the table? What do people get out of what I do? And the whole active project management I've been doing for 14 years prior is all just one big massive act of accountability. When you have all these contractors working for you, yeah. you've got to figure out how to get them in on schedule and budget and quality. That's a really, that's just, it's accountability. It's communication. It's like paying attention to the details, not putting up with people's crap. Um, and then I looked at the experience with the clients. I started asking people the testimonials. Like the, the thing I brought to the table was that not necessarily the productivity stuff, but like you, we're going to hold my feet to the fire. If I said I was going to do something, you paid attention and, and you knew that I, I didn't do it. Like I had to, I had to tell you why I didn't do that thing. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. 
So uh, October 2016, like around Halloween, there's about seven weeks left in the year. I had a, a platform. I had the Make Us Happy Productivity Show. Um, and, you know, I, so I had like a little bit of a following and I just kind of put it out there. It's like, hey, between now and the end of the year, what do you want to get done? Uh, what are your goals? And I want to hold you accountable to them. I developed a process where I could take that and I could help you figure out how to make weekly milestones. And I also put together a Shark Tank, Adam. It was awesome. 20 or so successful entrepreneurs I had a lot of respect for. And I said, hey guys, uh, you want to get on a Zoom call and like be my Shark Tank? And uh, I had 20 people sign up for this thing. And I said, okay, um, pitch your goals to my Shark Tank. And it was an amazing experience. I learned so much. Uh, I learned that it wasn't scalable, which I never even really thought about before when it comes to coaching and that kind of thing. Yeah. Scale is actually a really important thing, and I was fighting it without even, me even knowing it. Um, I was fighting niche for sure. But the thing that I learned the most is like no, the majority of people that are in my program, 90% of them, I can only think of like one person that um, might have been the exception, had not tested or validated their idea. They're just throwing things against the wall and see what yeah. sticks, myself including. This all I did for that whole program is I, I had Zoom, a Slack channel, and a Facebook group, and that's it, and maybe some Google Sheets. Yeah. Super like just duct tape and bail wire, right? Like it was, and I sold it within three days. I had 20 people signed up in three days. That to me was validation. Like people want that accountability. So I started diving in a little bit deeper, and I found somebody, um, Tom Sylvester, who had a really good process for testing ideas. He's a, a agile, um, an agile guy. And so I partnered with him to put together a program, and I was like, okay, why don't instead of um, holding people accountable to these random goals, which took a lot of handholding. Yeah. Um, and it took like just um, coaching almost. I felt like it was coaching again. I was like, mm -hmm. this just isn't working. And it, obviously it wasn't scalable because of the complexity of the logistics and everything. So what if we held people accountable to a proven process? And what we decided to do was, was idea validation. That worked out really, really well. I actually had like two or three people from that program actually go out and sell sell their program based on what they learned from it. So I knew the program worked, but people were still falling off track. Um, the first round of this thing, I called it real accountable. It's like, whatever, that's what I called it <laughs> first. Um, and the first round of real accountable, um, we had accountability partners. I learned from that, that if you have a partner that sucks, then experience is going to kind of suck. So the second round I did accountability teams and the shark tank, which all just the complexity was ridiculous. Um, but I, I learned that people like the proven process works. Um, but people didn't care enough about their teammates because they're all doing different kinds of business. So the big takeaway from that second experience was that people need to be rallied around a common cause. And I looked at the people that were in the program and where I had the most value to what people's needs were. And it was this, this whole idea of accountability to course creation. That's, oh, how I, I got into, that's how I got into courses. And then I really, really dug deep into the psychology behind keeping people on track. So uh, now I, I, what I really care about is, is people actually finishing what they start. So whereas like online courses now, the finishing rates three to 5%, like we're targeting 60. That's the, the big difference. Like three to 5% to yeah. me is pathetic. So ours is 60. So that's, that's where, that's how I evolved from evolved to that. project management to productivity to, um, I don't know, accountability coaching or whatever to now, yeah. like I help online course creators create online programs or, or, um, add to their online programs, improve them such that people actually finish them and get results. Nice. Bringing all this together. So there's lo lots of, like say, lots of things that got you to this point. Is yeah. there a particular quote that really resonates with you or how you approach your life now that? Oh, totally. Man. Uh, yeah. And my favorite is, is by 100%, the thing that we fear the most is the thing that we should most be doing. And that came from Tim Ferriss that way, I read that way back. They didn't really take it seriously until, until recently, like this, this live stream, and I'm sure we'll dig into it a little bit that I'm doing now. That's 
all, there was all kinds of fear associated with that. But I tell you, man, every time I do that, every time I apply that principle uh, and just kind of let go of the fear, um, I, there's always growth there, you know? So I, I really think about things that I'm, that I'm fearful of, that I'm procrastinating on. Is there some sort of fear there? And can I, can, what can I do to release that and take some action? Is there a particular book or just maybe two books that, or, that really influenced you? I know you mentioned a couple in there. Is there any one mm -hmm. that, one that was really impactful for you, but also one that around this whole topic of productivity that mm -hmm. you'd like to recommend to clients or friends that you, or you think is just a really solid one on the subject? Sure. Well, the, well, the ones that resonate with me the most, I guess if, out of all the ones I pick, this whole idea validation thing is just at the forefront of my mind because I, I think that we waste a lot of time out there and, and it, it can be short cycled. So the first one I read around that was Eric Ries's Lean Startup. That changed me. I went back, I've been back to that book probably three or four times. Um, it was fantastic for, for a startup mentality and to think mm -hmm. about that whole like, like six, six, lean Six Sigma kind of methodology or lean methodology, applying that to, to a startup was, it was my um, it was, it was a game changer for me. Um, so like I've, I've read that one. I've read, um, running lean by Ash Mayora. Um, will it fly by Pat Flynn? Like all these sort of testing mm -hmm. concepts asked by Ryan Levick. So I, I think that like nowadays, if you're into online entrepreneurship, then will it fly is a really, really good, really good read. That's influenced me big time. Um, so like that's, that's, that's one book from a productivity perspective. I think that if you, if you're starting something new, then that's probably about the most productive thing you could do. And the other one's like the flagship productivity book is David Allen's Getting Things Done, man. Like if you, if you really want to um, develop a system, you don't have to stick to his thing like verbatim, but like yeah. if you really want to start thinking about how you approach tasks differently um, and get lasting results and getting things done is a, is a really good read as well. Awesome. Uh, but, well, hold on. <laughs> but then, but that, uh, I had productivity in my brain, but the one so the one that's that i like on a daily basis live by on a daily basis without without fail and this one will change your life if you can adapt and if you can figure out what i'll just say it's the I'll one say, thing. I, feel, I wish i wish i had a drum roll so add that one in add that one in later <laughs> it's the one thing by gary keller and jay oh, yeah oh my gosh man it's like What's the one thing you could do that would make everything else you're doing easier or unnecessary? And the, the concept is beautiful if you can figure out what that one thing is. That's the caveat. And it goes back to like what matters to you in life and that sort of thing. And it goes back to third party analysis. So like coaching and all that kind of stuff is valuable. But if you can answer that question, the action that you take around what your one thing is, you'll have it at the forefront of your mind and you will, you will actually make visible progress on a day-to-day -day basis. Then, you know, the, uh, everything after that is just kind of um, tools and, and ways to leverage things for more efficiency. From your network, where if mm -hmm. I say awaken your alpha, who would you recommend would be a great interview for this show and could really add some value? Mm. Is there anyone who springs to mind? Yeah. Uh, first one that came to mind off the cuff was Tom Sylvester, just because I worked with him on the idea validation. He's a really, really good guy. I think that he's got a really awesome, mindset for um for entrepreneurship and startups and that sort of thing uh so he he definitely be one person what are some of the top mistakes you see commonly pe people make around productivity or just even if they're not really mm. aware of it and they're just feeling overwhelmed and they just, yeah. just feel like there's never enough time in the day what are some of the you know pitfalls that you see happen and because this is your area as well that just right. they slap you right in the face they seem really obvious to you oh totally but, yeah is leaning and depending upon your own 
willpower to avoid distractions. You've got to set up your infrastructure to make avoiding distractions easier because that does actually drain you. So um, I, I mentioned the content planning thing that I do. Well, the one thing that I do when I'm on there is I have, I said I have a timer and it's a zoom call. So I'll share one of my monitors and I'll, all I'll do is put a timer up there and it's this program called self-control. So it actually shuts down distracting websites. So it gives you a blacklist and you can put Facebook on there and mm -hmm. Gmail or whatever, whatever sites are typically distracting you. Uh, I put Slack on there as well. So that during that focus period of time, whatever that is, that will shut them all down. You physically, you can't access them. So it, it eliminates that temptation. So that'd be the, the big one. Um, the other thing is just your, your physical environment, you know? Like I'm in an office right now. I got my door shut. I'm not sitting here having to like watch my mother-in-law take care of my kid. Like he, mm -hmm. for all I know, he's at a different office. You know, like he's just, this is, this is my area for work. So anything that you can do to eliminate and set up the infrastructure to take you away from those distractions is huge. And people just don't do that. They just, they, they kind of will it and, and think that they're, they're strong enough to do it on their own resources you mentioned slack and different things there and a mm -hmm. great resource with obviously sure. the dedicating the time there what are there any key resources or tools that you can recommend that you use within your business or in life that you think are you know not commonly used hmm. yeah um this may be very obvious to some people but not to some what was for example you know for your live stream on the facebook live sure. um, just did what some of the tools you used in actually doing that yeah, so I'm I'm a Mac guy. Just to say that up front, I've tried so many live stream tools, and um, eventually I just kind of threw my hands up. Um, but so I tried first. I tried OBS. Just for Mac people, I heard I heard OBS is awesome for PCs, but for for Mac people, it's not so cool because I just could not figure out this delay issue between the time my my mouth was moving before the sound was coming out or whatever. It was driving me nuts. Um, I tried another one uh, where I had just a massive echo. Uh, I tried, I thought Ecamm Live would be the answer. I really, really like Ecamm Live. It's very easy to use. It's only like 39 bucks or something like that. <laughs> and maybe somebody watching or listening right now can can give me some clarity on this. But uh, I'd shut that thing down, Adam. Yeah. And I'd come back on Facebook and I'd be like, I'm, I'm still broadcasting. That's 24 <laughs> hours later. It, I could not for the life of me figure out how to shut down Ecamm Live. So I was like, it's just not, it's not worth the frustration. And I yeah. contacted them. I did a lot of different stuff. Okay. Punting again. So Ecamm Live is a very good um, contender. I'm sure there's a very simple solution. So please enlighten me if anybody knows. <laughs> so the one that I settled on, it's, it's very simple, um, but it does the job is BeLive.tv. It only broadcasts to Facebook. And if you need to repurpose the audio, then you got to pull it out of Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But man, it's really clean. You see the comments come through. Um, you can put your bottom one thirds with the names You can actually put comments up there with the headshot and really nice on the screen. Like I, I just love it. Um, it's, it's a really easy tool to use for live streaming. So that's what I've been using. Awesome. And zoom is good. I heard zoom is really good too, but zoom is like 65 bucks a month and I'm on zoom every single day, but I'm only on the $15 per month. Yeah. Plan. And I'm and on zoom. Was like, so I do all my interviews. I absolutely love zoom. I didn't know. Yeah. I hadn't even was unaware that they'd make sense now that they've got kind of, repurposed or got a platform for the, the live stuff as well so yeah unlimited people can be on live and then uh for belive.tv it's dot uh it stops at three people you can only have three people at a time so that's a little bit of a hindrance but again belive is like 25 dollars a month um zoom 65 so when i become yeah. a, a famous filmmaker from you know this live stream that i'm doing i'll go ahead and upgrade to the, the big <laughs> the big money i might even do wirecast i heard wirecast is fantastic and that'll you can live to all the different channels at once like youtube and 
Periscope and Facebook and does them all. And I know it's been sort of quite fast and furious, but what is the one question that you'd wish to ask or you thought I was going to ask? And you feel like we missed a trick. Like, what do you think is the mm. missing piece of this puzzle for this half hour show at the moment? Oh my gosh, man. Alignment, 100% alignment with the people that your productivity and performance um, affect the most. And this is not accountability partner stuff. This is like spouse stuff, family stuff, close people that you know, your decisions affect your kids, whatever. Mm -hmm. I know you got kids. Um, yeah, for the first, like about the first two, I've been, I've almost been doing this thing for three years, probably almost nearly two years. I had some misalignment with my mm. wife. Um, and we weren't really talking about it. It just wasn't, she was letting me do my thing, right? Kind of letting me get this out of my system sort of uh, thing. Yeah. You know? I know. I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do. Um, <laughs> So, you know, you got to have those tough conversations on a tapped week on Wednesday at noon. We do a Zoom conference, believe it or not. Uh, she works at the university. Uh, she's a director of admissions at a local university here and I'm at home. So when you think about these relationships, especially if you have a dual income family, a person comes home, you got to get the kids ready for yeah. whatever sporting activity. You got to get dinner ready. You got all the time to talk about things that are important. So we found that actually having a lunch video conference is the best way to do it. Every now and then we'll get together and actually have lunch together. Um, but for the most part, it's a video conference and all it's tactical. Like we, we break out the calendars and uh, we see what's going on, not just during the day, but at night, because there were so many times before we did this um, that we, I've avoided a ridiculous number of arguments because of this tactic. Like if someone's coming up, I'd spring it on my wife the same day or like a couple <laughs> hours. Didn't you see that invite? No, we have a dedicated time to go through there and figure out what do we need to do? How are we going to make these different, all these moving parts with three children and sporting events and church mm -hmm. and all this stuff going on? How are we going to make it work? And that's been just really, really good from a tactical perspective. Um, bigger, bigger picture alignment. And this is something we've been doing for like four months now. Um, actually a little bit newer. We found a need to, to, to actually zoom out a little bit more. And it was in October it was the first time we did it. So we meet for four hours. We try to do once a month. We missed uh, one or two months since, but um, zoom out and talk about the, the big picture stuff, you know, like yeah. what are our goals for the year? Uh, how are we doing against those? Are we in the right direction? You know, like, it's, oh, it's, I, it's I find that steering. so healthy. It just, just yeah. you know, like a little bit of course, and just make sure you, you like say alignment, just make sure if, if someone's going, you know, their mindset's going a little bit in a different direction, just like make sure you're on the same page and you, you know, That's you're lining up and what, that avoids his expectations, like you said, and assumptions. And that's when people get pissed off yeah. for each other because they're kind of, that's like you say, drifting apart. I like this. It sounds, to some people it sounds weird. To, to me, this sounds like it makes complete sense. I love it. Definitely. Yeah, that's the biggest thing in productivity because that person in your life will be the, the biggest hindrance to your productivity. Not only just like by physical hindrances, by not letting you do stuff or whatever, but like then there's that emotional hindrance too because you're always kind of feeling guilty. Mm. And if you get all that stuff out there and come to those agreements and have those conversations, then uh, for me, having that support at home is, is a skyrocket for productivity. Man, I think that's a great way to end the show. I think it's really powerful. Again, we hit on some powerful stuff there. Um, yeah. Especially, I think that's going to resonate with a lot of guys listening to this show. It does with me. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I almost didn't ask, what's the best way to people can connect to you if they want to find out more? Yeah, I love uh, for people to join my group. I have an accountability Facebook group. It's called Productive on Purpose Accountability Dojo. You can get to that group. Like I said, it's called Productive on Purpose. You can go to bit.ly forward slash POP group um, and connect me that way. That'd be awesome. Awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you for Thanks sharing always. your time with me. Yeah, likewise, Adam. Thanks, man. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. Thank you again for 
taking the time to listen to this episode. I really do appreciate it. And I know time is the most important asset we have. Please do subscribe and leave a short review. I really do appreciate it. Head over to ayalpha.com to get any goodies that are going on the website at the time and awaken your alpha with ALW, the Facebook group, and get on the inside, join the conversation, and please do support the show. I'm going to recommend it to your friends. This is the number one men's development podcast for inspirational stories and strategies for us all to thrive.